this is the Crush Monocle podcast, the, the show where we talk about stuff, all the stuff. Uh, <laughs> intro suck. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm your host, Coop, and uh, this is my co-host, John. Howdy! Peace. And our guest today is a guitarist extraordinaire. Uh, yeah. You probably know him from bands like Wasted Youth, um, Velvet Revolver. Yeah. I mean, come on. He's played in a billion different bands and uh, a, a bunch of different scenes. But you also might know him as uh, one of the, the people that did the intros for uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, also, uh, F is for Family. He does all the music for that. Yep. And uh, he's a soundtrack guy. Uh, musician extraordinaire, Mr. Dave Kushner. Yay! Welcome! <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> hey, uh, I want to say thank you for... For uh, joining us on the show, uh, I know you're a busy guy, so yeah. But it's not like busy, normal. Like, oh, I got this work. It's like there's a guy fixing my pool, and like, <laughs> he's got to explain to me how to work the the pump because the remote doesn't work anymore. And, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I gotta go play a softball game, and my wife and my son wants to do a sleepover and it's just well well, it's nice to know that one of the most badass musicians is living that dad life so you know yeah (laughs) Uh, Yeah. totally dude my son like like, dad can this guy and that guy sleep over tonight because it's awesome yeah um so I'll, I guess I'll I'll start with you with our normal thing. We talk about what we listen to. What have you been listening to uh, most recently, uh, Dave? Um, yesterday I was listening to BC Boys, Paul Boutique, Paul's Boutique. Oh, nice, nice, yeah, old love school. It, love it, love uh, it. Yeah, it's weird. Like I have Sirius XM, you know, in both cars. Yeah. So I listen to usually like the metal station or you know, like the rap stations, like the L Cool J or the Eminem station. Yeah. Death row. Death row. There we go. (laughs) Like So, you know, and it's, that's mostly what I've been listening to. Uh, I went through recently, like I got really into that band Royal blood. Oh Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They had that typhoons record when that came out. Uh, I got really into because I was never into that band. Like I never really knew about them, and then, uh, and then I went kind of deep dive into all things Royal Blood. So lately, that's what I've been listening to. Well, you can't go wrong with the Beastie Boys. Yeah, I mean Paul's, Paul's Boutique. Like it's such like a classic, kind of underrated. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, it's so good though. I mean, it's really well, I know, I know. Took them to the next level. You know, oh, I know, and like the fact that the Dust Brothers did that, and it was just like all sample based, like yeah, and the fact that it got killed when it came out, like just yeah, love it, love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what have you been listening to, John? God damn it, I uh, I'm not ready. You got to go. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. I'll make it quick. I'll make it quick. Uh, the band's called Ghost Toast. Ghost. <laughs> okay. Wait, okay. Ghost or Ghost Toast? No, Ghost Toast. Ghost like toast. part of your. Complete Ghost breakfast. Toast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, the name of the album is Shade Without Color. Uh, it's an instrumental. It's kind of proggy, but it's not. It's not really like stoner proggy. It's kind of. It's very cinematic. Uh, it's weird because it has all these different emotions and feelings without having any vocals. 
Um, oh, really? So it's just all like instrumental stuff? It's all instrumental. Okay. Uh, it's super heavy, but then it's also super beautiful. So spots. is it like yeah. Russian Circles Pelican or like what do you what do you vibe? What's the vibe? Uh, man, it would be it would be kind of like Mastodon meets Mogwai. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. <laughs> so okay. Ghost check Toast? That out. Ghost Toast. <laughs> that name is so ridiculous. <laughs> That's why I checked it out. I just seen the name. Like, well, I gotta listen to this. Well, it's kind of like when I plugged the uh, when we did the Zola Jesus album. I did the or Zola Jesus episode. I did the Weed Mammoth Wizard Bastard or whatever the fuck that band was. <laughs> Mammoth yeah, Weed yeah. Wizard Bastard. Sorry, that's the yeah. name. Anyways, Kate. So now I got mine. Um, okay. So there's a band named Cola. Like Coca Cola, okay. like cola, mm-hmm. yeah. that I think is just absolutely amazing. Um, there was a band, uh, they're out of Canada called Ott, so O U G H T, and mm-hmm. they were more kind of Interpol, more post punk, more kind of whatever. And um, they broke up for I'm not sure what reasons, but the singer and the bass player got together and then they took the drum or they're borrowed or took the drummer from us girls, which is another kind of Canadian kind of indie band. Mm. And they made an album that is like a lot less post-punk and more like a mix between real estate and the strokes, if that makes sense. And I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to combine (laughs) like two, two bands that like are pretty popular, but like that's kind of their vibe. Like they have a little bit more push and angst where the strokes, but they're not as like smooth and like dreamy and kind of blah as real mm. estate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, it's just like a yeah. short album. It's like, it's like 10, it's like 10 tracks on. It's like 35 minutes. And it's just one of those albums you put on. And like when it's hot and it's summer and it's chill, like you just can like let it flow. And you're just like, there's hooks enough to be like, Oh, this is dope without ignoring it. You know what I mean? Well, Dave is from born and raised in Los Angeles, so he knows that vibe. Yeah, see, there you go. Check out Cola, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That the kind of good segue into the the thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, Dave, was being a part of all these different kinds of music scenes throughout your career. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, you've covered just about everything. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Are you wait? Is there a question in there? Yeah, <laughs> are you telling me? What's the thing I'm out over your life, okay? Come on, uh, Coop, lock okay, it in. I'm sorry, I got, I got okay, so out thinking of all the different freaking bands this guy's been in. Uh, no, uh, yeah, yes. So, uh, actually, my question would be, uh, how does how what is your thoughts on how that scene has changed throughout the years for being in you know LA? Well. It's weird because, you know, I haven't really, it was, it was very, you know, I went from like this punk scene when I was in high school where it was like Black Flag and Circle Jerks and, and X and, you know, Mm -hmm. all these punk bands playing at like clubs like the Starwood and stuff, Whiskey, you know, which was a very different scene than you know what I kind of, and then I was in wasted youth, but that was like a little later. Yep. You right. know, Late 80s. it was like a little gap in between when I was going to punk shows and when I was actually in wasted youth, you know? Right. So, but it was 
kind of the same scene, you know, it was like guys left over from that, that, uh, that punk scene. And then, you know, when I went from that, I went into this band called the electric love hogs, which was very, not the punk scene, but that whole scene was, which was killer. You know, it was like, uh, the Shrinky Dinks, which became Sugar Ray, and Mighty Joe yeah. Young, which became, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, and Tool, right. and Rage, and, you know, bands would come to town, like the Smashing Pumpkins, or Soundgarden, and play, like, these little clubs, like 300 right. people, you know, clubs right. that we were all playing together. So that music scene was, you know, really epic, you know, as far as but you don't realize it when it's happening. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah, Cause it's sure. like Jane's addiction and, and like all these fucking amazing bands that are, you know, part of music history now right. were, you know, just dudes where you're like, Oh yeah, my roommate, you know, my roommate's friend is, has this band called tool and they're playing right. it. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. At the right, cooking right. teaser yeah. tonight. You want to go? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. All right. You know? <laughs> right. Like, right. I remember it's when not, I was yeah. in Love Hogs, Maynard used to hang out with our band, and he was just friends with uh, our singer, Feldy. And, you know, he would just come around, and, like, he would hang out, and he would come to all of our shows, and he was right. super, like, mild-mannered, wouldn't talk a lot. And... I remember he's like, yeah, you should come see my band. And, and like a couple of times I kind of blew him off, you know, cause mm-hmm. I was, cause he was so like, like, uh, he was so mild mannered, like just nonchalant about reserved, it. Right? And just yeah. like, wouldn't talk much and just was so like introverted that mm-hmm. I just was like, well, you know what I didn't, I, I do. <laughs> I never even saw his Mohawk. Like, Cause he would always wear a hat. He was super reserved. And then finally I remember I used to get in this club called club lingerie for free all the time. So it was right by my apartment where I lived. And yeah. I just went in there one night and fucking tool was on. Yeah. And I was like, Holy shit, dude, <laughs> that's fucking Maynard, you know? And he had his shirt off and he had the, the scorpion tattoo on his going down his back. He had a Mohawk and it was tool. You know, and right, I was like, for sure. holy fuck. Like, so <laughs> that was, that time was so, you know, stupid. I don't want to say magical because it wasn't, it wasn't magical. <laughs> you know, it was, oh, you know, I mean, it was magical. a lot of really good bands <laughs> up and coming. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like well, my, you kind of, yeah, you brush shoulders with, you brush shoulders with just about all those scenes as a culmination, like, like punk and hardcore and all these other, uh, and even your own bands that you was in and out of and yeah. like um it kind of all come together with velvet revolver huh yeah yeah and it's i mean I, I just think it's a weird i don't know how it happened dude you know like i yeah. really don't like it's really like when i tell these stories it's like you know i was here and then that guy and then i met that guy and then you know yeah. it's like I had this best friend, John, and John was like, hey, let's go see this band, Jane's Addiction, at Raji's. And it yeah. was like their second show. I didn't know who they were. We went. They were fucking amazing. I was going to music school. I was 18. 
I had to make a demo. I went up to Perkins and I was like, dude, will you play on my demo? Like I go to this music school and we, you're rad. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then like, that's how I met Perkins. And then I've known him, yeah. you know, for fucking 30 some years. Right. And then, you know, like everyone was because no one was anyone at the time yet. So it was like, everyone was cool, you know, playing with each other or, you know, helping each other out. And, you know, like I went to, school in Hollywood. So I went to school. I've known Slash since junior high. You know, we went to junior high and high school together. Yeah, that's and, so cool. Yeah. You know, like all these people that I met when I was my my buddy John was a roadie for Fishbone. So ah. you know, that's how I met like all the Fishbone guys and the Chili Peppers guys. And you know, I played in a band, like a cover band, because they used to drink a lot with the Fishbone guys. And then we became friends. So it was like, you know, there was like the Fishbone, um, like Thelonious Monster, um, Jane's Addiction, kind of alternative thing yeah, coming up fun, at the fun. same time with, yeah. you know, Rage and Tool and all those guys. and the Heavier stuff, yeah. And so, uh, but everyone knew everyone. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. my buddy Joey, who was in um, – was in Queens of the Stone Age, but he was in Wasted Youth together. That's where we met. And yeah, then Joey like, Castillo or whatever. Is, yeah, is Castillo. Castillo, yeah. You know, we kept kind of piggybacking, you know, like he – I was working at Tower Video and uh, incredible, you know, looking back on it, what happened. And then, you know – Oh, it's my dog. I thought it was a person. <laughs> <laughs> the dog's the second guest on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. The dog is, is allowed to be on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, but then, yeah. And then I just kept trying and trying and, you know, yeah. Like I met him and, you know, we played in Wasted Youth together. We became good friends. And then, you know, I was working at Tower Video after that. And I was in working with this guy and he started this band that eventually became Sugar Tooth, and they needed a drummer. So I was like, oh, you should get my friend Joey. So then he was in Sugar Tooth, and then they fired – they made a record, and they fired their guitar player, and then he's like, dude, why don't you come play with us? And then I played with him, and then he yeah. quit, and then he started playing in Danzig. And then, you know, two years later, he's like, oh, dude, why don't you come try out for Danzig? And then I got in Danzig. And then, you know, like yeah. it was just these – It's it really was who you knew, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, – and then eventually, uh, actually, yeah. And then I was doing this other band with Joey. We were playing in Japan, and uh, and Duff had a solo band called Loaded. Yep. And yeah, um, I think Matt had gone back to playing in the Cult, and okay. the band I was playing with with Joey was this band called Zilch, which was like these guys from Japan who were like big in Japan. <laughs> Like act, like actual <laughs> Japanese dudes that were big in Japan, and yeah, yeah, they were in this band called X Japan, and oh yeah, I know X Japan, yeah, yeah, Hide from X Japan. So yeah. we went and we played there, and Loaded and the Cult opened for us. So that's when I first started hanging out with Duff, um, and then we just became friends from there, and that's kind of how it started with Velvet Revolver. Like That's I was so cool. friends with him. We yeah. started hanging out and then they played together some benefit. 
with Keith and Josh from Buck Cherry. Yep. Yep. And Duff called me and he was like, Oh dude, this feels really good. I think I'm going to, you know, keep playing with these guys. And then eventually they split from Josh and Keith. And then, you know, it was the three of them. And then Duff called me and was like, dude, you should come down. You should learn these songs. And I did. And I showed up and then that was it. You know, I thought it was like, I was telling someone the other day, like I didn't know I was really in the band for like, for a while, dude, for like six months. Because we didn't, we didn't have a singer, so it wasn't didn't feel like a band. It just felt like four right, guys right. looking for a singer. But we would right. rehearse like five days a week. We'd write songs. Yeah. And like the first day, I I remember I, I came down and I played with them, and I was ready to like grab my pedal board and be like, oh, okay, you know, thanks. Yeah. See and they're like, oh, just leave it. Why don't you come back tomorrow? And it was kind of like that for fucking six months. Yeah. Know, don't like, take your stuff home today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally, dude. And that's that's what happened. And then I was in the band. But you know, and then eventually we got Scott and that felt but it was always very comfortable because I knew Slash forever. I was already playing with Duff. Matt I'd known really? for a long time. And then even when Scott got in the band, I'd known Scott for, you know, since the mighty Joe Young days, right? Yeah, right. Since yeah. Nineteen ninety yeah. or something. Eighty nine. Right, right. So it was always Crazy. just very comfortable, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I always uh, – people, even the media, everyone always talked about, like, oh, it's a super group. Uh, and that's the way I felt about it when the record came out. Like, I knew all these guys. You know, like, oh, I know that know? guy. I know that Who's that guy? Oh, yeah. That guy well, <laughs> I had, I'm a big Danzig fan. Yeah. I'm the resident Danzig guy okay. at the site. So 100%. I, 100%. Yeah, so I knew you played played in Danzig. Right. Um. So actually, I was going to ask you about that a little bit later on, but uh, but yeah. So not only is this a, was Velvet Revolver like the supergroup, but it was more of an inevitable. Yeah, like childhood friends you know what is I mean? what it sounds like, basically, like, right? This isn't a supergroup. This is just his life coming together with all these dudes that he's yeah. All his life. I mean, it was. I guess it was. You know, because I mean, in the big picture, yeah, it was. But because you all kind of like grew in the scene together for the most part, beyond like I guess maybe Duff. And yeah. that, right? Yeah. I mean, we kind of did, you know, me and Scott more so than any of the other guys because Guns N' Roses right. happened and then it was like they just fucking took off. And I right. was. But knowing Slash and what you say, junior highs, isn't that what you yeah. said? Or, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that that's kind of why I made that inference or whatever. But yeah, you know, it was that. But, um, you know, I think I had had the most playing together kind of history with with scott you know have yeah but um but yeah it was uh it was weird you know it was great but it was also weird it was very comfortable but it was also very foreign to me because i was the new guy in the sense that i hadn't experienced that level of success ever oh like the big rock band or whatever type situation dude the the from the you know, having separate accountants and, you know, put the all uh, lawyers and to, you know, big tours to, you know, the, the addictions and the, you know, the, the excess and the, the bigness of it all, you know, like I, I'd never been there. So to me, it was uh, all very new. 
when you uh when you was working on like the first record contraband which is one of my favorite records i was actually just talking to john i recently <laughs> found it on vinyl oh, nice. like, the other day yeah and i freaked out because i've never seen it in a while is this the one with the it. cd inside no this is one of the remasters oh. so it don't have that but i actually when when that cd came out i had two of them because I like the red and the black cover, uh, and yeah, I wore yeah. the black one out. So oh, look at you, Coop! Yeah, I remember <laughs> I when Scott had that idea yeah. when we were. I remember <laughs> in rehab, like we all went to his rehab that he was in, uh-huh. and ha- having that discussion, like, well, why can't we just do all three colors? You know, because we are all arguing over. Yeah, the yeah. get some variant, get some variants in there. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. What was it when you was working with that first record though? Um, when during the writing and the compiling the songs, how was your how how was your what was your role like with? Uh, I know you was the other guitar player with Slash, but like who brought who brought it? Like who like did you just like play a riff and everyone kind of built upon it? Like those are some big personalities. Yeah. You know, like how do you? How do you get in there? Yeah, it's funny, dude. Like you say, like, how do you get in there? Because it was very like those three guys had played together for so long that they would like Duff and Slash would always move towards the drum set. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, (laughs) I would be like over here. Yeah. I feel like the little kid, like try to, you know, and, and, but, you know, it's like, I had to just kind of, you know, just, I mean, everybody, like after a while, like I said, because we wrote songs every day from Mm -hmm. like, like we would rehearse like two to six every day, Monday through Friday. You know, right. and we would all just write songs and we were looking for singers, but we'd also just come in and work on shit, you know, and it's like anyone right. who had a riff or a part would just bring it, you know, like I remember sitting on the couch, like we were, there was a couch in there and I remember we were all sitting, you know, like this, all like fully refined, <laughs> just like in the middle of the day and Matt yeah. gets up and he's like, he grabs Duff's bass, he's like, you know, hey guys, I gotta check this out. And Duff's kind of looking at him funny because he just grabbed his. It's bass like, why are you touching my bass? Yeah. And <laughs> and he was like really super animated, and he was like, check this out. And he was like kind of posing like he was on stage, and he played the riff from uh from uh, what was the song? The first single, um, not Slither, but uh. From the Hulk movie. Set me free. Yeah, set me set free. Me free. He played that, but like all kind of funky, but like yeah, you know. <laughs> but he played the riff, and yeah. we were like, "Oh, that's cool." And then we started working on that. You know, what I mean, like it really yeah. was that's so like, cool. Yeah, like, organic. You know, whoever had a riff, we would just keep working it. Like Slither, I remember. I think that was Slash's riff, and we worked on that i don't know why but we just kept working on it like there was so many i have all these like rehearsal demos and it, there's so yeah. many different versions of that song like it's just like it had a vibe and you just didn't want to let it go right or something like we that. were just trying to get it right but then we had no singer so we had written like 60 songs by the time right. scott came in oh, okay and then we yeah. just uh 
Like when I wrote, so did Scott like pick the songs out that he could sing to, or yeah, like how did he, that how did that work? So we gave him these sixty songs. We're like, here, dude, you know, here's <laughs> that's a lot to go three. through. He he put yeah. vocals on that, and then when we heard that, we were like, okay, this is the guy, and that's yeah. that was the first song we heard. We gave him these sixty fucking. We gave him CDs with all these songs. And <laughs> That's an insane like, amount of songs to go through. Dude, it was crazy. <laughs> and he just listened to like somehow I don't know like what he how what his process was, but he listened right. to them and then he put. You know, they were like recorded. They sounded good, you know, but they were live yeah. just at rehearsal, like but a band practice quality, demo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but the quality was good, and yeah, he. I remember me and me and Duff. I went up to Seattle with Duff, and we were on our way to go snowboarding. And we're in the car, and we're like, "Dude, let's listen to the CD." And the next three songs that Scott put vocals on was "Slither," "Fall to Pieces," and "Big Machine." And oh, nice. listening to that, like driving, and we were like, "Holy shit, dude! This is like, this is like." fucking good you know like this is really yeah. gonna happen kind <laughs> of you know yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah and so he picked like maybe eight songs out of all of those 60 and then he put vocals on them and then we wrote more songs like together the five of us then we did the same yeah. thing we would do before but then scott was in the room half the time and like yeah. you know but it happened like very organically like i remember uh, Duff and I were listening to the Refused, that punk band, right. you know, a lot. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Refused. We were That's super so into that record, The Shape of Punk to Come. And yep. I remember I came in with the, the riff for um, Illegal Eye Song. And, okay. you know, and Duff, me and Duff were early. He started playing drums and I started playing that riff, you know, like the. And. He just started fucking bashing on drums and then we started working on and we wrote like the two parts just like right there. You know, nice. and then we and yeah. that was when Scott was already in the band. So then we had that. And then right, you know, so that's how it all happened. Then we wrote the rest of the record with him there and you know, he'd pick shit. We probably wrote <laughs> twenty more things and out of that he whittled it down to like, you know, six or whatever. So, so for the second record, did you take any of those like 60 plus the 20 that you just said and like see if Scott still wanted to work on those or were those, what's the second uh, I record? I think there was one, there might've been one song on there that was old, but mm. I remember we just did the same thing. You know, we wrote. Yeah. Uh, so there's another 60 Velvet Revolver songs 40. out there. <laughs> it was like there's 40 another 40. For the second record. <laughs> That's crazy. But, you know, like we just did the same thing or like, yeah, I remember when I like when I wrote uh, get out the door, you know, like mm -hmm. I was home and I was tweaking out a lot with uh, with Pro Tools at the time or maybe Logic. I don't know. I've gone back and forth. But I remember just putting up a drum beat and writing that, you know, yeah. that whole song like kind of you know all the parts recording them and just bringing them to to scott and he was like dude this is awesome and then yeah you know that was it and then you know or we wrote stuff together or slash right. came in with that main part from uh 
last fight. You know, he right. came in the rehearsal, I remember, and had it on acoustic. Right. And, you know, we just, it was very organic. The, the only thing I think about the second record is I think that we weren't, we probably should have written more songs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, it's like you, it's, the first record was just, to me, was like kind of perfect. The second record mm-hmm. was, felt like we uh, kind of rushed it a little bit. You know, like I like a lot of the songs on there. Yeah, I think it's a solid like album for many. sure. Oh, yeah. that, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, there's certain songs yeah. where I'm, there's like three or four songs where I'm like, yeah, they're all right. And there, I I didn't really feel that way about the first record. Ah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that first record is just a it's a banger still today. Yeah, yeah. Now the first so so the first song that you recorded with Scott was "Set Me Free," and that was with uh, Nick Rest Rescuelenix who yeah. produced that. Yeah. Re- yeah. Rex, how do you say his last name? I can never say it right. Rascalenix. Is that yeah, how you I say can, it? Dave? Yeah, not like Rascalenix. Okay, yeah. now I know. I, now I know. I, <laughs> I followed that guy's career forever because he was his close friends with my favorite band of all time, Super Drag. All right. And um, that's how he got his start. I mean, he's done and, so uh, many good records, man. That's a yeah, Coheed record, Deftones record. You know? It's like yeah. so all that shit my, before that. Like, yeah. yeah. So my question was, uh, you that was the, the first song that you guys recorded with Scott. What changed from that song into the, the Contraband record where you record it with the, the other producer? Um. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I know that we loved working with Nick and I think that his drum sounds were always like incredible. Like even if you listen to the record, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. if you listen to the record and you listen to the drums on set me free and you listen to them on the rest of the record, whatever songs before and after set me free on that record, you'll hear the difference, you know? Like yeah. Right. right, the, right. The, Andy Wallace, when he makes it, try to make it all sound the same. But if you listen to the record, if you listen to the drums on that song, to me they sound better than the drums on the rest of the song. I mean, on all the the rest of the record, his, Not his drums, drums always sound, sound good. good, but they just right. sound a little better. Right. In in in, but also to say, I think the guitar sounds are a little better on the rest of the record than they are in that song. So I think that yeah, I remember that Slash was looking for something different when we mm-hmm. did the thing with Nick. It was great, but then you know we were like, okay, we had a little break, you know, because we just did that song and then we put it on the Hulk soundtrack, and then we yeah. played some shows and then we you know shopped for a record deal, and so there was some time in between, and then we started right. thinking about like you know is are we going to use Nick like. Is there someone else that we could use? Should we, you know, because we then we had a little bit of time to kind of look at like all the options because Nick mm-hmm. just kind of came, you know, like when we got Scott, dude, it happened really fast. You know, it was like we had been fucking doing rehearsing for 10 months. We got Scott. We did this showcase for a bunch of record executives and soundtrack people like three days after the first day that we played with Scott. Like That's literally insane. Days later. That's insane. And then they were like, okay, we want to do this. The Hulk. We're going to yeah. use the Hulk and the Italian job. And we were like, okay, cool. And then we just went right into the studio and yeah. we picked, we picked Nick because Nick was friends with, 
he had just done the Foo Fighters, and we liked that mm-hmm. record. And and yeah. uh, Duff was, you know, friends with Grohl, and it right. was just really easy. And they had just built that 606 Studios, and so we were yeah. like, okay, cool, let's do it with him. He's rad. And yeah, <laughs> you know, then it then we had more time to kind of look at all of our options, and I think that's yeah. why we ended up, you know, going with Josh. He uh, uh, Nick uh, blends a lot of his guitars together. Um, if you, it's kind of like a thread for people that listen, yeah, geeked out like I do. But uh, if there's ten guitars in the group, it always sounds like one giant guitar. Yeah, the way he mixes stuff, so it does sound a little different compared to the, yeah, rest yeah. Of the album. So uh, switching gears on that, how did you get into soundtrack recording? Was that like uh, right after Velvet Revolver kind of fizzled, or what happened with that? How'd that happen? It took about a year or two, but uh, we we had fired Scott. And that was like in April. Mm-hmm. My son, my first kid was born in May. But we had every intention of finding another singer. You know, like okay. we came home. That was last year, the European tour. We came home. We were like, all right, let's talk to, you know, these guys. And we started looking. We started auditioning. And we did that. Who for did like, you have in mind? Did you have anybody in mind? Can you we share worked that at with all? Like Royston Langdon from Space Hog. Uh-huh. We, uh, did some songs with this guy Ian Thornley from this band Big Wreck. We did. Uh, we recorded some songs with Corey Taylor at one point. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, we recorded songs, and then we got this dude, Frankie Perez, was actually in the band for a minute. Right. You know, so we we kept it going, but eventually, you know, everyone started kind of doing their own thing. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah, I didn't want to be a you know like a because I was in a I was like a partner, so I didn't want to be like a hired guy, you know, right, and yeah. then be gone all the time. I had my first kid, right? So right. I really kind of just talked to a couple dudes that had made transition into like producing and soundtracks, and yeah, you know, I got some advice from them, and and I just got really fucking lucky, you know. I was again, I was with you know, my buddies, we all went to dinner. We were all at Johnny Rockets. It was like me, Scott Schreiner from Weezer, uh, Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's band, and this dude, Bob Thiel, who was the, you know, uh, composer on Sons. And yeah. he had just started that job. Like, they hadn't even filmed anything yet. And he, I remember he's like, yeah, I'm on the show. It's like The Sopranos meets The Hell's Angels, and it's called Sons of Anarchy. And we're like, wow, that's a dumb name. And, <laughs> you know, and, and we were all like kind of making fun of it, but right. then, you know, like he said, do you want to write some stuff? And I said, yes. And then we wrote and we wrote the theme song that day. And then that was it. That was, uh, you know, we wrote the theme song. And then again, though, like, like Velvet Revolver, it took fucking six months before we found out that they were going to use it. They were still right, flying because yeah. it was Fox and they were really trying to find someone better you know it's right, like right what if we get you know because scp had gotten back together they're like what if we get stp to do the theme song or what if we get yeah and they kept trying to get you know someone else and we found out like the week before the show came out it was wow that song. quick yeah <laughs> that's that crazy. Was it. that was my start i that was the first thing i did and then I just was like, oh, shit, you know, I need to get 
agent, I think, and I need to, you know, <laughs> doors open right now, so I need to take advantage of it. And yeah, you know, I just did whatever I could to. But you know, it's like that thing. It's like I didn't really do anything really to keep, make it keep going. I just tried to do all this stuff over here, and then Bob, the guy who I wrote Sons with had a different job working on this cop show on ABC. And he's like, Hey, do you want to do this show too? I was like, okay, cool. And, yeah. You know, I yeah. said me and my buddy John sent in some stuff and then we got that job. And that's where I learned to like score, you know, instead of mm. writing a theme song. And, and that was it dude. Every job I've gotten typically was through just someone I knew. You know, but like, I mean, like credit to you, like you could say no, or you're like, I don't have time for this or like, you know what I mean? And you were always like, yeah, of course I'll do it. Like, I want to be a part of this. You know what I mean? Like you could have said like, I'm busy or I want to go do something else, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with Bob was my big kind of aha moment as far as like taking contrary action, you know, because I yeah. would usually sure. say no sure. to a lot of things, but typically out of like fear or like imposter syndrome or like they're finally going to find right. out that I'm a fucking fraud or whatever. <laughs> no. You know, I would say no to those things cause I didn't want to be exposed. You know, I didn't want sure. to too intimate because then he'd find out that I'm not really as good as, you know, like the, all those things that artists mm -hmm. yeah, typically yeah, yeah. are humans, you know, go through yeah, and, humans. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, and I, when he asked me if you want to write something, my instinct was to say no. And I, right made a conscious effort to say yes because I was just trying to do something different right. and and it worked out so well that it was kind of the the catalyst for me to start saying yes even if my brain was thinking no so yeah I mean credit to you man that's super cool man honestly when you uh when you're scoring uh something how does how do you even begin to do you like just bring a guitar with you and start pounding some notes around you play piano like why do you even start I, with the score you know it, well i mean typically the way it works i mean a lot of times it works where well it's different every time but like for instance when yeah. we did this cop show like detroit 187 you know they will have an idea of what they want you write some stuff you know they'll tell you you always get direction first you know it's yeah. never like you're well, shooting in the dark they were always like you know because it's their vision you know, whoever the showrunner yeah. or creator is, is like, you know, I have this idea. But like that show was called Detroit 187. It was a cop show, but it took place in Detroit. So he's like, oh, I'd love to incorporate Motown, you know, and some things that are, you know. Yeah, some backbeat stuff. Or yeah, just some stuff like, yeah, like Jay Dilla and fucking guys yeah. that are, you know, a part of that. Everything from Iggy Pop to, you know. Yeah. And so he had all these ideas. And then you basically like present these pieces of music you know, based on that information. And mm -hmm. it's like a, it's a process, you know, sometimes you do something that, you know, the director or the, the, the people working on the show are like, that's it. That's the sound, you know, like I did this show Sullivan and son, it was like a, like cheers, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and my buddy Vince wrote this theme song and it was like, I didn't even play guitar on it. Like I played mandolin. There was like accordion, you know, whatever. Yeah. And we're like, oh, it should be because they wanted like a Irish rock vibe, like yeah. Dropkick Murphy yeah. at first. There you go. Yeah. When we did yeah. that. It was too 
Irish. And they were like, well, it's a bar. We want everyone to feel included. We don't want to include someone with very Irish specific town. Yeah. And so, you know, then we were like, okay, well, let's, you know, and then I was like, well, it'd be cool if there was some melody that people were singing, but there's no words. And it was like really catchy, like, yeah, you think you should know that sounds familiar. Right. But it's not, you know what I mean? Like, like the yeah. cheer soundtrack, like yeah. you kind of know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did this thing, me and Vince, where we just like did like eight tracks of us singing this melody in different voices and <laughs> trying to sound like a bunch of drunks in a bar. <laughs> you know what it was like? And and then you know, like you know, and so we just did that, and they loved it, and they're like, we want every piece of music in the show to sound like that. Yeah, if that was a band, we wanted every piece to sound like that theme song so that's so cool you know so then we just did that like every piece of music had those same instruments you know and uh so sometimes it works like that sometimes you know you give them something and they're like we love that sometimes it's you know on episode family i did that show with vince and we were like vince jones and you know Dude, we did like fucking like 90 pieces of music for that show. Holy shit. Like um, <laughs> there was a few things. Because, you know, there's all these little things. They call them cues instead of songs. Or yeah. So it was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, for each scene, sometimes it's, a, you know, 10 seconds. Sometimes super, it's a minute. Super whatever. 70s vibe, too. Yeah, but thing, they're so. the same thing. They're like, oh, it's in the 70s. We love, you know, we want to because <laughs> And Bill was really involved at the time and you know he plays drums and he's like oh, we want it to be like 70s rock we want it to be this we want it to be that yeah which is cool but you know and it's kind of my job to do a lot of that but then also to help them figure out you know what works what doesn't because sometimes people are like oh when this person's on screen we want him to have his own kind of feel and we want it to sound like this yeah and then we right, want right. this person to sound like that and then it's like oh but they're all in a scene together what are you going to do you know then you got to find like yeah. the common sound and it's like and a lot of times if especially if the guys on the other end are you know opinionated or or super um just even if they're just really artistic and creative they're going to have a lot of opinions so that's why with we had a lot of great people like Peter Billingsley was producing and he was very involved and Bill and um, this dude, Mike like niece and Mike price who worked on the Simpsons, who was, oh, cool. yeah, yeah. Simpsons. he was the co-creator. So everyone was very involved in the process. So it took, it took a long time to find that sound. There was a lot of trial and error in the, in the pilot, but then, which is yeah. typical. And then once you find that sound through trial and error in the pilot, I think then it makes the rest of the thing easy. Um, Coop, can I ask Dave just a random ass question? Yeah. Go ahead. Where's your Grammy award? Did you all get one? Oh, it's right. For Velvet Revolver? I'll show you. Wait. Oh, I see it over there. Oh, there it is. It's over by the the Black Sabbath poster, right? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. we could see it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or the, yeah, I could see we could see the edge of it on your shelf. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's showing us his his Grammy. Oh, all those guitars. Oh, is that a a, a Kemper? Yep. Kemper. Look nice. at look at all those record plaques. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Man. So is this like your home studio that you're that you're talking to us in? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. the, That's awesome. I built it in a part of the house and then that door goes out into the like the kitchen and everything else <laughs> um i wanted to ask you before you had to get out of here yeah. was uh the danzig gig uh, yeah. being that i'm the danzig guy i've never heard the story about how you got in danzig and what it was like hanging around danzig all right i'll tell the story and then i got a bail <laughs> okay but, dude Thanks. it was Thank so you. weird because so Joey was in the band for since the beginning of Danzig Four. Like he didn't play on that record, yeah. but then Biscuits was out. He started playing with right. Danzig. They were like that was like their biggest time. Then they did Danzig Five, right. which was, you know, it was like the weird one. Yeah, it was weird. It was like a lot of drum machines, <laughs> a lot of programming, different guitar right. players. Jerry, Cantrell, um, uh, Glenn played on it. Uh, the and just like different people, and. That was right around when I got in the – or basically it was just Joey, and Joey was like, dude, you should come down. You know, We should try out for yeah. Danzig. What's – oh, uh, Blasco was in the band already okay. at that yeah. point. Okay. And this other guy, Riggs, who he played in in Rob Zombie with. That oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, was yeah, yeah, in yeah, Danzig yeah. at the time, I think. And I think that he then was out. I think it was him. And then I came in, you know, then Joey was like, dude, you should come try out. I tried out. I got the gig. But the weird thing was, you know, we were at the same rehearsal studio where Velvet Revolver was, you know, uh, and we rehearsed for like, like almost a year, dude. And the legend had lost his voice and he talked like this. Yeah. <laughs> the Michael Rooker voice. Was, he, like, he lost his voice and he wouldn't come to rehearsal except like once every couple months because he couldn't sing, you know? Right. Yeah. And right. so we, me and, and Blasco and Joey would rehearse, you know, a few days a week, learn all yeah. the back catalog, which was fucking killer. You know, we'd play right. like yeah. every killer dancing song. You know, from the first Danzig record all the way up to, we even played like one song off of five, one or two, but we played like, you know, Dirty Black Summer and yeah. Black Wings and like all these killer Danzig songs. And yeah, um, but it was weird because then every couple months Glenn would come in and he, he would sound like this and he'd be like, oh, I'm going to try and sing. And then he would sing and it would, you know, he couldn't really. And then he kept oh. trying like all the... I felt bad for him, you know, because he kept trying all these different things like, you know, like, oh, I went down to Chinatown and I got these herbs and I saw this lady, you know, <laughs> you know, he, would, he was trying anything because. Right, right. I mean, think about it, dude. If, if your voice was like this for like a fucking year, you know, you're yeah. like. That's you're, like, yeah, that's like your income, your like passion, yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, uh, and then eventually got his voice back enough, even though it wasn't like a hundred percent, but, uh, and then we did a gig. This was like in 96, I think. 
and we did a, a surprise gig at the whiskey on Halloween, like under a different nice. name, but everyone all the fans knew. Yeah. Was, like, the only gig I did, dude, in Danzig. Really? Played the gig. <laughs> I think it was the only gig that Blasco did too. And then, yeah, really, like, yeah. dude. So then I was in the band. We do the gig. It went great. Everything's cool. Like a month later, a few weeks after that, uh, I forget what band. We all went together as a band to see some uh, other band at the Viper Room, right? Uh -huh. With Glenn, too. And, oh, okay. Okay. You know, yeah, it was, dude, it was all four of us. It was Glenn, me, Joey, Blasco. We go to see this yeah. band. We're talking outside. He's talking about Danzig 5, and I'm like, and I don't know why. I was just like, and I'm usually not that guy that's just like, I don't know. I don't. I didn't say like I didn't like that record, but I'm like, well, it just doesn't really sound like a band, you know. It sounds more like a like a project because it's like there's drum machine and you know, so, yeah. And I wasn't being like, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a knucklehead thing to do, but I'm usually not that guy that's that like much of a knucklehead. But I guess right. yeah, I was. And he's just like, <laughs> I like that record, and I'm like. Oh, I like the record, but I'm just saying it doesn't really sound like <laughs> it was like the band every record, and now it's right, like, yeah, it sounds more like you know a project because you're playing with different guys and you got drum loops in there. And he's like, and he, dude, he got pissed at me, and <laughs> the next day, two days later, Joey calls me, he's like, dude, I think we're gonna to look for another guitar player. Like. <laughs> Uh, it was like it's like spider from goodfellas yeah. like no no i thought you said i was all right spider yeah. <laughs> joey and i were getting a friend you know at that point that you know i was just like all right dude. were you like were you like because it, you're like it was because i talked shit on the new record yeah, right? him. and he's like yeah oh, yeah totally because <laughs> we were oh my god you know because we we're good enough friends that he was just like, yeah, dude. He was like, yeah, yeah, he screwed going. the boots on that one. And then like Glasgow <laughs> got kicked out again. Did he know. say the same thing? Is that no, why Glasgow got kicked out? Said he was smarter than me, but he got kicked out <laughs> a few months after that for I don't know what reason. Probably saying something that Glenn didn't like or something. It sounds like yeah, I don't know, maybe or something. I guess but <laughs> that's hilarious, man. <laughs> Thank you. That was my day. I wanted to hear a Danzig there story. We go. we I got, got your one. Danzig nugget. <laughs> um, what are you working on now? What do you want to? What do you want to pimp? Um, so right now, like I, I, a couple years ago, I partnered with this guy Jose Cancela, and we have this. You know, we work as a team. Uh, yeah. We have our yeah. companies called Music uh, Monkey Mind Music Group, and you can, you know, you can find it online. Just www.monkeymindmusicgroup.com. Um, you know, or you could follow me on Instagram at, I don't even remember. I think it's Dave Kushner 66. So bad yeah. with this stuff. But um, yeah, it's, um, you know, together we've been scoring, uh, working together and we've done, uh, we did a movie last year called the opening act, which was with Bill Burr and some other yeah. comedy. And uh, yeah. we did this show called last narc on uh, Amazon. That was like a docuseries about, the, basically the real story of what happened in Narcos, Mexico, like oh, the wow. Camarena kidnapping and that yeah. whole thing by like dudes that were yeah. actually in the room when they yeah. were torturing him and dudes that were actually involved in the kidnapping and like Crazy. his wife in real life. It's, it's so heavy. Um, 
Yeah. I did some stuff for the uh, for Thursday Night Football a couple years ago. But right now Very we're cool. doing um, two things. One is um, we're doing a movie for Selma Hayek's production company. It's a Spanish-speaking movie. It's a comedy about a soccer player. We just started uh, scoring that. I don't. I think it's just coming out in Mexico. But um, and then I wrote. I actually during the pandemic, uh, Bill Burr and I wrote a script together, a pilot for a, a animated TV series. So. Um, oh, cool. We're yeah, just fucking. You can hit me up when you hear about it. But right now we're just. Um, He's finishing a movie, and then we're going to start um, taking it out and pitching it to, like, you know, everyone, Hulu, FX, whoever. Um, Adult Swim, I hope. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. It's cool. that kind of show. Cool. Okay, um, cool. Music-related, but yeah. really funny. And, you know, I, I was just stoked to have a fucking – like, I had to print it out, like, have a script with <laughs> – Written by Dave Kushner and Bill Burr, you know. Is, yeah, hell yeah, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. That's awesome. You know? so, um, yeah. so, yeah, that's what I've been working on lately. Nice. Well, Love it, man. Yeah. I, uh, I I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to hang with us here at the pod. Yeah. And uh, when it, when you uh, next time you got the project coming out, we're going to hit you up again. You can come back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there more. you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I want to say, again, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for being a big part of the soundtrack of my uh, my life. Yeah, as right on. as that sounds, man. Right on. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for going. And um, we'll we'll catch you on the on the next one. All right, guys. Thanks All so much, right. Dave. Appreciate All your right. time, man. Have a good rest of the evening. You too. You Thanks. too, man. How do See I leave? Uh, I... <laughs> the red button up at the top. I know, <laughs> yeah. just, just, just close the window. Uh, <laughs> just hang up on us. It's fine. Just, yeah. <laughs> just throw your computer in a bucket of water. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you just closed the browser. Take it easy. Have a good night, man. Thanks a bunch. Well, that was awesome, dude. He was so cool, man. That was great. I know, I know. I wish, I wish we could have had him longer because I would have just been picking his brain about other stuff. I know, but um, like, yeah, he gave us, he gave us a ton, like really fast. I think you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was uh, Dave Kushner. Please check out his stuff, uh, man. Go back, listen to the Velvet Revolver stuff. I'm telling you, that first record yeah. is it's still a banger. Second one's still good, but that first one's still a banger. It still holds up. Why didn't uh, I realize that he was like best friends or like really good friends with Joey Castillo? I had no idea. I'm I'm telling no you, I well at the Joey first, Castillo's you know, been in like a thousand different things. Yeah, he. Uh, oh, that's why I, I mean, was Dave's been so in hard. a thousand different things. I guess I should. Yeah, that's that's why I was struggling for an intro. I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff, but it was really just a whole page worth of notes. Yeah, like it, he he's. Uh, not only brush shoulders with all these people from the scene, freaking Dave Kushner is the scene. <laughs> no shit. He like legitimately is like one of the like main members. And like basically yeah. it's like six degrees from Dave Kushner. You know what I mean? Like yeah, everybody right. knows him. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he's like the glue guy. And we're watching him on television all the time. Yeah, no shit. Still, yeah. still in our lives. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So uh, this has been uh, the Crush Monocle podcast. Please like and subscribe it uh on your favorite streaming service spotify apple uh podbean i don't know all those things or at the site beardgentlemanmusic.com um give us a four-star review share it with your friends um go buy the records that we talked about 
and uh and tell us and, what your first wet dream was in the comments just can someone just do this so john yeah, can get off one of time it? one time that's it just one that's all well, we have if i got three i would never bring it up again <laughs> yeah and it can't be somebody from the site either no it can't be that's fine oh okay all so right, maybe right. you could get dane and adam just to do it so i'll stop doing it. <laughs> if we up. get Kenan to do it, you <laughs> oh, know. there you go, there you go, yeah. there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, well, also, we didn't get to bring up Showgirls. No, we should ask. Fuck, we should ask Dave about Showgirls. I bet he knew something. I know he probably did, but that's an ex- that's. I know, but he was busy, and I had to get that dancing. No, story, I know, man. I know. It's fine. It's. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Uh, well, <laughs> next the next episode, we're gonna have to bring up Showgirls twice. <gasps> Yes. yes. Maybe. Yes. Hopefully. All right. Uh, I am your host, Coop. This is my co-host, John. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been the Crush Monocle Podcast. Peace out. <laughs>